Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because of the gospel. That's awesome. I will read it once again. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Number one. Number two. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Number two. Now number three. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll be careful, finally, to observe my ordinances. Let me pray. Father, I pray that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will be bound on our hearts that we may understand it and embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to give you three introductory remarks, four points and one conclusion. The first one is that holiness is the crowning piece of God's saving activity. The crowning piece. If you understand that, and I cannot go into details, all your life will fall in place. And if you have a problem with your own life, you remember this, and if it, you don't get it, you can always talk to me, all right? Now, second introductory remark, and there are three one-liners. And I want you to remember that. I want you to tell it to your children, if you ever get one, get to. First of all, we need Jesus' perfect heart. That is his gift to kill the cobra on the cross. And out of the grave comes his heart. And when you have his heart, you have a new vision. You see him for the first time, and you see people for the first time. Secondly, the Bible says that you need the perfect righteousness of Jesus to replace the dung, the filth, on the cross, out of the resurrection, comes the righteousness of Jesus. And when you have that, you have a new passion. You do not only have a new vision, but also you have a new passion. And thirdly, you need the perfect holiness of Jesus to replace, as I explained, the poison on the cross. Out of the grave comes the holiness of Jesus, and when you have the holiness of Jesus, you have a new mission. Now, I want you to remember that for the rest of your life. I want you to tell that to your children and never marry anybody who does not understand this. Get it? All right. Now, my third introductory remark is that we all are going to die unless Jesus comes first. Now, you may not think of it too much because you are young, but... 
I think of us a lot more, all right? Now, when we die, we're going to face God. And he puts us in an x-ray machine. And he takes a look at the screen. Now, what if he sees on the screen a cobra and dung and poison? He asks you a question. Would you like to have a cobra in your house? He said, no. Would you like to have dung in your house? And you say, no. Would you like to have poison in your house? And you say, no, no, no. And then God says, now you understand why I don't want you in my kingdom. You don't want a cobra. I don't want a cobra. You don't want dung. I don't want dung. You don't want poison. I don't want poison. But you should have listened to Henry when he was talking in the chapel because he explained how you get rid of the cobra, the dung, and the poison. Now, I already talked about the cobra. I already talked about the dung. But now I'm going to talk about the poison. Why do we need the holiness of Jesus? Because the Bible says that he is our sanctification. Why do we need holiness? Well, the Bible says there is poison in the tongue, set on fire by hell. So <laughs> I don't know whether you are aware of it, but you have a direct pipeline from hell to your tongue. Now, that is not a very nice way to put it, right? Well, Paul extends that. He said, to be very frank with you, you have poison in all of your members. So if you have 100 members, you have 100 pipelines from hell into you. So when I put my foot down, poison. When I look at you, poison. When I talk to you, poison. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think God drowned everybody in the flood? Huh? Why did he brought down, if this young man and I were twins and we were conceived one second before the flood, God would have drowned us too. Why? Well, you, drown, you kill a cobra, you get rid of dung, and you remove poison. And when God says, I will handle all three of them. Now that is gospel. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. That is gospel. Ah. In Uganda, they would raise the roof, but at least you're starting. All right? That is gospel, ladies and gentlemen. When I look at little kids, and at one time you were one, so you were a little kid, all right? <laughs> I would say, good morning, little cobra. <laughs> good morning, little dung. Good morning, little poison. You need Jesus. Ah. 
Well, you see, that's the reason why 80% of the people who are born in Christian homes leave the church. They have never been told, you need a gospel. 80% I heard the other day. That's terrible. Good morning, little cobra. Good morning, little dung. Good morning, little poison. And now you don't laugh. Because you know, that's why God drowned everybody, including little children, including fetuses in the womb. Now, what does it take to get rid of it? Well, Jesus, the cross, Hebrews 10, verse 10, he removes that poison on the cross. He kills the cobra, he washes the dung, and he gets rid of the poison. And out of the grave comes his heart, comes his righteousness, and comes his holiness. And that is gospel. Amen? Amen. That is gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Now, how do you know? How do you know that you have the heart of Jesus when you hunger for forgiveness and holiness? How do you know that you have forgiveness when you hunger for holiness? How do I know that you have the holiness of Jesus? Well, ladies and gentlemen, John 15 gets the answer. God the Father says, I want you as a branch in the vine in Jesus to produce fruit. Now, I read a book on this when you were, before you were born, and the booklet says, uh, reader, in this context, God is not interested in you. He's interested in your fruit. You are a there's a vine, that's Jesus. You have a branch in it. What do you do? It's a vine. Branches. You want fruit. And then you prune it. Now that's sometimes painful. To have more fruit. And you abide in Jesus. To have much fruit. And then eventually you have a remaining fruit. So ladies and gentlemen, that is the greatest gift that God can give us. Fruit. And what is it? No doubt about it. There is obedience to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. And how do we get it? Well, the Bible says, if my word abides in you, you will ask what you wish. And God will give you the fruit. And so I have a little song. Read through Scripture four times a year, four times a year, 
four times a year. Read through Scripture four times a year until Christ is formed in me. Pray through Scripture four times a year, etc., etc., etc. Now, I'll tell you a story. I have a colleague in this college who was a good friend of mine. I won't mention his name. And I sang that little song, and uh, he said, Ah, oh, good old Henry, good old Henry. He said, What's well, in the Bible? Oh, yeah? Yeah, Galatians 7, verse 6. Here's the Bible, look it up. After five minutes, there is no Galatians 7, verse 6. And I said, Read through Scripture four times a year, and you will know that there is no Galatians 7, verse 6. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know your Bible, you cannot produce fruit. And God says, fruit? More fruit. Much fruit. Remaining fruit. And you think of Solomon. Terrible. King Asa, terrible. Jehoshaphat, and the end of his life. Hezekiah, all of the Gnose life. Don't you think I'm scared of the man in the mirror? Very scared. Very scared. I don't want to take that nosedive. And before you know, it happens, ladies and gentlemen. So here it is. How do you know that you have the holiness of Jesus? Because you want to have it in your life more than anything else. And if you get it, God says that is my greatest gift. Regeneration, the new heart, is the foundation of a building. Justification, the new righteousness, is the walls of a building. But holiness is the roof of the building. I go to Uganda, as you know, many times, and they start building, and without a roof, nobody lives in it. The roof, ladies and gentlemen, is the crowning piece of God's saving activity. Now, when does it show? Well, if you have a new heart, you have a new vision. You look at people as saved or lost, first of all. Not as old or young, not as happy or whatever. I had a friend of mine in Africa, and there are millions of little kids because 75% of the kids are below, of the people are below 15 years old. I said, how do you look at those kids? I said, well, they're kids. I said, do you look at them as saved or lost? I've never had that before. Well, I don't know whether you're born again. Wow. If you're born again, you look at people as saved or lost, first of all. Your children, your friends, your future spouse. That's the first thing. You have a new vision. Then when you have the righteousness of Jesus, you remember Isaiah? Send me, send me, send me. It's not that I answer when you, uh, when you call me. No, 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 no. I apply to be sent with the gospel. And how about the mission? Well, 
I remember many years ago, 1968, I was in my church in California, I was a, and I knew there was something wrong in the church, but I didn't know what. I prayed for nine months, Lord, give me the answer, give me the answer. And then we had a special speaker. I still remember him. And he looked at us with his dark, piercing eyes. And he said, do you know that evangelism is part of your sanctification? Because it is a command. I never heard that before. And even my Pentecostal friend in Uganda has never heard that before. And he said, do you know what happens if you don't want to be holy? I said, tell us. Revelation 3. God will spit you out. Do you want to be spat out? Well, let me tell you. After the church service, we had a uh, get-together for some refreshment. Half of the people were madder than hornets, and they never showed up. But the other half broke before God and said, Lord, I don't even know how to evangelize. They never taught that in my seminary. And most seminaries don't even have a course of evangelism. And when they have a course, they never take people out to show. And that's what the man said. Henry, you'll never do it unless I take you out. Knocking on doors. Now, I remember the first time I knocked on doors. I hope you are not home. I was kind of fearful. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I was kind of fearful. But if he had not taken me out, I would have never gone. So if you have a new heart, you have a new vision. When you have a new righteousness, you have a new passion. And when you have a new holiness, you have a new mission. The Lord said, why do you think I keep this bankrupt world going? Nobody was able to open up the seals of the history of the book and the book of Revelation. Is it, nobody can bail us out, Lord. John weeps. Yes, there's a lion, lamb, Jesus. He has a vision of an innumerable multitude at the end of time. Innumerable. But I'm going to die for them. I turn this world into a breeding ground for new Christians. If it had not been a breeding ground for new Christians, God would have closed shop long ago. And he says, now, I am the lion lamb, but you are king priest. You are lion lamb with a small L. And while I make this world my breeding ground, you are going to make it your fishing ground. And you go. And you start making disciples. And you baptize them. And you teach them to observe whatever God has commanded. And if you 
stand before me in the day of judgment and they ask you, were you a pipeline for new converts and for new holiness in other people? And if you say, Lord, I don't think so. God says, your life was a waste. If you don't get converts, if you don't get holiness in other people, the Lord Jesus says, when I leave, I am going to have you do the greater works. Now, not, that is not works of uh, miracles, no. It's not works of holiness. Uh, nobody who did more miracles, nobody who was more holy than Jesus. Peter understood it. He got 3,000 converts in one day. He did greater works than Jesus. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are convicted, I want you to pray every day. Lord, give me a soul. And Lord, let me kindle holiness. Lord, give me a soul. And Lord, let me kindle holiness. And then I know that you have the holiness of Jesus. If you don't have a new vision, if you don't have a new passion, and if you don't have a new mission, I will tell you, I will repeat the doctrines of the gospel of the new heart until you get that vision, the new righteousness until you get that passion, that new holiness until you get that mission. Can you believe it? You have a new heart. That's awesome, right? Huh? Huh? No more stone. You have a new righteousness. No more dung. You have a new holiness. No more poison. Now that is gospel. That is the gospel. Well, let me conclude. I have exactly seven minutes according to the chaplain. And that is the seven minutes of perfection. I like lingual humor, as you understand. Good morning, little cobra, etc., etc., etc. When the Lord Jesus tells the disciples, I am leaving you, and it is better that I leave. And the Lord, and they say, Well, why? Because I am going to send you the Holy Spirit who takes my place. You see what the Father promises, the three promises, what the Son produces, that the Holy Spirit transports. Now, what is the first thing that the Holy Spirit does when he works in you? What is the first thing? He convicts you. So, I'm going to ask you a question. Were you convicted by the gospel? Now, when the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were convicted. Amazing. I've seen it happen, ladies and gentlemen, in South Africa, a colonel in the South African army. 
when we were singing a last hymn at one meeting, all of a sudden he burst out of the ranks and said, I want to get rid of my cobra, I want to get rid of my dog, I want to get rid of my poison. The same thing happened to a general in the Ugandan army. The first thing I, time I preached, people, I want to call on the name of the Lord. That's what you do. When the apostle Peter preached, the people said, what must we do? We know, we kill, we are murderers. He convicted them. We are murderers. What must we do? And we murdered our judge. And in the day of judgment, we are not going to make it. And Peter said, call on the name of repentance. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want to get rid of my cobra. I want to get rid of my dung. I want to get rid of my poison. And in faith, I put my arms around you to get your heart, your righteousness, and your holiness. You call on the name of the Lord in repentance and faith. Now, I always like to give an altar call. That is not uh, your common reformed approach. But there is a reformed altar call and there is an unbiblical altar call. Now, would you like me to do it? Huh? Then close your eyes and bow your head. And I pray, Lord, I plead with you that the Holy Spirit will move in this audience and give powerful conviction. And if there is anyone in this audience who desires to call on the name of the Lord, I plead with you, nobody looks except myself. Let him or her raise his or her hand. I want to learn how to call on the name of the Lord because I have been convicted of my cobra heart, my dung past, and my poisonous life. Now don't look, but if there's anyone in this audience who wants to talk to me after the chapel service, raise your hand, raise your hand. Right now, I see only one hand. Now that's beautiful. Last May, out of 600, I had 62 people who raised their hands. Now you may look at this point because I have two more minutes. All right, and I'm going to con conclude. When you call on the name of the Lord, I call, I give you a number. If there are 62, I give them Psalms, 1 through 62. There's one, I give you Psalm 1. I said, well, if you really call on the name of the Lord as a little baby, you know why a baby cries? Because it's hungry. And if you are a new baby Christian, you're hungry for the word, I'll give you the psalm, and you read it every day, and you come to church the next Sunday. I call you a hopeful convert until you're devoted to the word, and you begin to obey, and you begin to share. And then I say, Lord, no more hopeful a reality. Now, the person who raised his hand, I praise the Lord, there's at least one. And we ask for one convert, at least one convert. Now I know that in the past, 
my messages on the threefold gospel sometimes was like an asset and it began to enter into the lives of people and I received letters sometimes 10 years later I never forget it and my prayer is that when we stand before the Lord and he puts us in the x-ray machine he will say no more cobra no more dung no more poison the heart of Jesus the rightness of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus praise the Lord that is the gospel amen, amen. do you love it Show it and share it. And if you need to be equipped, we can help you in doing so. Praise the Lord. Exact 11.35. So, chaplain, I'm on time. Let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we raise our hands unto you and we thank you, thank you, thank you for the gospel. And I ask you that it may penetrate in everybody's lives and in everybody who comes there before the Lord after death in the judgment will look at the screen and praise you for the heart of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, and the holiness of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. No, oh, the angels didn't hear you. Amen and. Amen.